Cursed it. I cursed it. I'm sorry. This is my bad. My bad. I'm sorry. <sighs> uh, Lorelei. The episode that has nothing to do with me, I swear. It's a female version of me. Actually, funny fact if you ever try to do, at least I, you know, when, I, when I'm doing the, the voice to text on my phone, uh, it always translates lore as Laurel. So it's something I uh, need to get off my chest, apparently. Margaret Armand, uh, Armen wrote this episode, and she was one of the season three writers. I talked about her briefly. I'm pl- pretty sure in the TOS stuff, she was brought in kind of late and was intended to replace Arthur Singer as a main story editor, but instead, kind of, well, I mean, season four didn't happen, so it seemed logical that she'd be brought in for you know TAS since they're continuing. She was also in the forefront of their minds when it came to Phase 2, and she actually wrote an episode for Phase 2 when it came to that. And, for the first time, she will write two episodes of TAS. So that's nice. So, guess how many cast members are on this episode? I'm just going to tell you. It's seven. Nichelle Nichols plays four. Majel Barrett plays two. James Dewan plays two. You know... How exactly does a ship get taken at a precise time every 27.xxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxx
it actually started hurting my head. And I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my headphones out and just watch the subtitles if this doesn't shut up. Because I already have the development of a headache, and I don't need it to get worse, you know? <laughs> Come on, episode, work with me here. Uh, so, they get down there. It's like, all right. The, the males occupy another compound. Okay. So they put them over there, and they put the headbands on them, and <gasps> they're getting older! Again. You know, what's actually funny about that is in one of the old Trek things, and I mean, like, before TNG era or, like, right in early TNG era, there was a series of Trek maps, which are no longer even close to canon or continuity, that showed that this episode and that one actually occurred in right the next, you know, right next to each other. So it's possible the aging thing that affects both of them was actually the same thing. So that would make a degree of sense. If not for the fact that, you know, this is the distant short corners of space that we have no idea what's over here and certainly haven't already had a settlement set here where we've already seen this phenomena happen. And it doesn't quite fit is what I'm trying to say. As per usual with Star Trek. Almost like the, uh, the straight male thing earlier. Does it fit? I want you, but it doesn't fit. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm all for Uhura getting in command. It was apparently something that was pushed for by several people, including, obviously, Nichols herself. But, um, did you have to give her this episode? <sighs> I'm reminded of that concept that I can never think of the name of. It's where someone ensures failure to prove themselves right, you know? It comes up a lot in gaming. Nobody likes X type of game. Okay, fine. We'll allow you to make X type of game, but we won't give you funding, and we won't give you support, and we won't give you infrastructure, and we won't market it at all. Hey, it failed! I guess we were right. It feels like that's kind of what's going on here. I don't know if it's intentionally or not, but it's like, yeah, sure, we'll give Uhura command. Oh, it's a crap episode. Okay, whatever. Uh, I, uh, so let's, let's, let's really go through this. I have my notes here. Let's talk about the pacing and tempo of this episode. And you know, I got something, I, I'm digging for stuff to talk about in a threat episode when I have to talk about tempo and pacing, but here we are. So, <clears throat> Ahura says she will take full command of the episode and take full responsibility. Actually, she doesn't get to that. Sorry. So, first she says, I must take command of the Enterprise. Okay. Then we cut to the Enterprise crew down below being tossed around like dolls, rag dolls specifically, which... Okay, might be terrifying, except it looks hysterical, and then it is immediately followed by Scotty singing. Actually, pretty decently, James Doohan does a decent job with it. Uh, but singing as the ship very slowly circles the planet. What? This then f is followed by the scene I referenced earlier, where Uhura's like, I am taking command and I'll take full responsibility. Like, it's a big dramatic moment. Then she sits on her ass and does nothing... While the crew down below, the main three, of course, rush and have this big, you know, incredible action sequence. I'm sorry. I know, I, I know, I know. The animation's crap, but wow. Okay. It's it's not even the, the, the silhouettes thing. That actually doesn't bother me all that much. That's just a cost-saving feature. But there's a storyboarding problem with the action sequence where it legitimately doesn't make perfect sense. And it looks like things that aren't happening are happening as they're showing it because they don't know how to show the stills in the right order. Like, I'm actually curious if there was a screw-up when it comes to this episode. Then they get in the urn. Come back to that in a minute. 
And this then cuts to a very, after this breakneck scene, this cuts to a very long, dry exposition thing where they very banally lay out all the things that we've all figured out already. Then Spock crawls in and manages to call Uhura for help. Now, I want to remind you that Uhura has taken command and has been doing nothing this whole time until Spock says, hey, you should come down with an all-female team. And she comes down on the advice of Spock. Did she need Spock in that equation? I feel like Uhura could have pieced together what's needed here without that an unnecessary step. In fact, actually, if I'm being blunt, the threat of the episode seems so banal that it shouldn't have even been a threat episode because it doesn't affect the women. And the women still have things like transporters and phasers and a freaking starship. So there's there's no there's no threat. There's no danger. Oh no. The guys are disabled. We only have half the crew left. Really? And remember, these people down below, they don't have anything. All they have is their song powers and their uh that the beacon, the siren call. That's it. That's all they got. So where's the threat? Maybe it's a dilemma? No. Maybe it's a mystery? No. Maybe it's a thinker, or a message, or anything else it could be. No. This is a waste of time, is what it is. And I apologize for wasting your time as well. But this is my job. So, Spock then uses straight-up telepathy, because heaven forbid that Nurse Chapel or Uhura who have access to the ship, I want to keep reminding you, and tricorders and all sorts of other wonderful things, need Spock to suddenly and magically develop telepathy, I know, he had it in TOS as well, in order to call them to where he is, and then he needs to tell them the solution to fix everything. I... I do like the urn threat. One of the only... There's three decent parts about this episode. I already mentioned two. One is Uhura taking command, which they do nothing with, but is at least an idea. We already talked about the first one, which is the Warp 7 thing, and this is the third thing. This is one of those mundane threats, and I've always found something really enjoyable about mundane threats. You know, there's something exciting about a Tyrannosaurus Rex charging down at you, but there's something much more beautifully horrific about being trapped in a, a bowl, basically, in the urn, in a, imagine you're in a pool that hasn't been filled and it starts raining, and you're too weak to get out, like you've broken your leg or something, and you're struggling to manage to get out in time. Because, I, I mean, the urn is a better situation, because the idea here is that eventually they would probably sink down and drown or otherwise you know, be, be injured in the process before the water filled up enough that they were able to be poured out. And even if they were poured out, that's like 10, 15 feet in the air? That's a hell of a drop. So it is a, it's not a lethal threat per se, but it is still definitely a danger. And it's so beautifully mundane. It's, it's one of the only interesting ideas the episode has. And I do like how Uhura actually is able to figure out where it is by herself without someone showing. I, I was half expecting Bones to be like, we're in the urn. And just somehow <laughs> Bones develops telepathy. So then we cut to the a part of the episode that really loses me. Because so far this episode has just been bad. What pushes us down to worse is, oh, poor us, we've been stuck here for, for, for decades, and we, we can't leave, it's, it's this unnightmarish hell, and we can't even have children, and that's why we've been luring people here deliberately and eating them for decades. Not a lot of sympathy, regardless of your gender. 
By the way, I'd love to see how this works with the Klingons and the Romulans, which they state flat out has actually happened. Nom, nom, nom. So then they imply that they're going to get him a ship and get them the hell out of Dodge. And they can move on. Yay! Threat defeated. Victory. And it, thank God this will never come up again in TNG, where they decide to fix having been aged artificially with the transporter. Or on Voyager, where they have an episode where a, a siren planet calls to... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you might be thinking, why isn't this Lamentation? As a fresh reminder, my rules on Lamentations have kind of been codified going through Enterprise and TOS. Um, I like to call it Lamentation 1-off, 2-off, 3-off. This is more like a 2-off, because it isn't terrible. It's it's worse. It's not it's worse so we got bad, worse, terrible, right? That that's one off, two off, three off in reverse order. But for it to be lamentation, there needs to be that extra oomph. There needs to be one last little huh, that pushes it. And this episode doesn't have that in my opinion. In fact I don't even think it's terrible because there are some decent elements and there's some concepts that they could do something with that they just don't. Instead, this is merely a awful episode. <laughs> That's all. It's merely awful. But as usual, I don't like to criticize without critiquing. But before I say anything, what would you do with this episode? Imagine you are mandated, you are shackled to the same core concept. Sirens. Space sirens. So what do you do with it? The first thing I would do is make it affect people regardless of gender. And I would restructure it a little bit so that Uhura, hmm, let's say by virtue of recognizing the patterns in the song, realizes what it is the first. And so she's the one who recommends dealing with it. But by the time she's figured this out, it's already got its hooks in everyone else. Then restructure the episode to be a little bit of, well, frankly, kind of the Uhura versus the possessed crew thing. Just a little bit. Don't, don't, don't make that the whole episode, but make that at least like the first act threat as she's trying to get away and she's got the frickin', she's got something that she has developed or worked on in order to get rid of the song, get rid of the sound. And she tries to make it so that it gets rid of it for the rest of the ship. She succeeds, but by the time she has done so, several crew members have already beamed down. And because this is TOS era, it will naturally be the big three. So the big three have already beamed down, and now the dilemma is trying to save them. The problem they're having isn't then saving them, because they beam down and they find the women, and the women are like, you know, oh, whoa, poor's us. And Uhura, rather than sympathizing, says, you what? And straight up calls them out on it. This leads to them getting defensive and arguing that they had to survive, and it's their right to survive, even if it means killing another. This then leaves us with an interesting dilemma. In the face of this unrepentance, do we decide to, hand, to reach out a hand to these people? Because by this point, the, the threat has actually been solved. This would then, if you're paying attention, shift this from a threat episode to a dilemma episode. And now that they've cut off the source of the problem, they have to decide how they're dealing with them. I'm not going to say how I would end that. I'd have to think about that a little bit longer and probably workshop it. But this brings me to my second question. Given the script I just handed you, how would you end it? What would you do with that premise? Looking forward to your comments. Certainly a lot more than I was this episode. Sorry about the neighbors. There's some noise. I might even have to chop off recording for a bit because of the noise problem, so I do apologize for that. But I hope you've enjoyed regardless, and I'll see you next time.